This is season one, episode five of the Money Talks Money Matters podcast featuring Max Fisher. Um, Fish. Fish. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, it's all good. Um, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I uh, I really appreciate it. And you taking your time to, to invite me over here. I, I'm just looking forward to uh, talking a little bit about what I love to do um, and what I do on a daily basis. So really appreciate it, guys. Of course. So uh, how'd you get started in mortgages? So I actually was a teacher. I was a math teacher. Um, and so I've always, I've kind of always been nerdish with math. Um, but I didn't like you know, I didn't like accounting. I didn't like just sitting behind a desk and financial, you know, advising and things of that nature. So I kind of wanted to find a um, an avenue where I could mix my sociability, I guess, if you'd like to call it that, and my love for, you know, just sitting down and problem solving and figuring out how to, you know, make numbers work and put those two things together. And, you know, it kind of just came together. Mortgages was, was uh, one of those things where I could kind of integrate both yeah so like so, i mean starting off young i mean you didn't like want to go in the mortgage business just no. like assuming so no. so it's like what was like the flip like i know you want to be a, like you were a math teacher but like was there like a mentor in your life was there just like your parents influence like 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 who really truly pushed you well so i grew up i knew a lot of realtors um and so i was familiar with the industry one of my best friends um, Steve Boyette owns his own brokerage. So I was just, you know, and my parents are realtors too. So I was familiar with the industry. I understood kind of like the surfacey level of, you know, I guess the industry as a whole, but, uh, nobody really pushed me into mortgages, man. I kind of just, I'm an impulsive person. So I kind of just was like, Hey, you know, I think I can use my strengths to pursue this and kind of just jumped in. Yeah. You know, I, I wish I could tell you that somebody was you know, hey, you should do this. You'd be good at it. But I kind of just jumped just into something it. something and tried it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then like since like working with Steve, I'm like he's a like, big, big full-time real estate agent. Mm -hmm. Like why haven't you been uh, or even got your license yourself? Gotten my license for, for like for real estate to be like an agent. Oh, because, you know, I I work closely with realtors. That's my business, you know, and that's where I get my business from. And I feel like for a couple of reasons. Number one, I feel like it would be a malpractice, right? Because why would I want to compete with my business partners? You know, that just doesn't, that's not a good model for good business in my opinion. Um, and number two, I feel like that if I was, you know, if I was vested in my own self-interest in that way, I couldn't support them as realtors in their business, you know, to the fullest extent. And that's kind of what I like to pride my business on. You know, you do what you're really good at and I'll do what I'm really good at and let's put it together. You know, I'm not really, uh, I'm about doing something 100%, not doing a bunch of things 50%. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have a question. So how many things have you tried before you got into mortgages? So like I said, I was a teacher um, and I was a football coach. Um, and so that's what I did coming out of college. But I, before I got into mortgages, I wanted to, I was thinking about doing some financial advising. I was thinking about doing life insurance and I was studying for that exam and all these different things. Um, but, uh, but it, it, it never really panned out. Mortgages was, was one of those things that stuck and, uh, I felt like I could really excel at and pursue. So not really much. I mean, I'm not that old. I, I'm yeah. older than you guys, but, um, I'm 26. So 
I, you know, there hasn't been that much time to pursue different avenues. I've kind of just, you know, done a couple of things. But for you, like I'm, I'm assuming like the long term is mortgages. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I found where I'm supposed to be. Um, and I really believe that, uh, I've built a business so far to a point where I, I feel like it's sustainable and I can, I can do this for a career. Now, I mean, like the, like the most important thing that we talk about here is like, how do you use something to leverage yourself to the next chapter in your life? And that's meaning, how are you going to use mortgages to, I would say, place yourself better from a, a year now, two years now, three years from now? Like, do you have sort of like a business plan or like a business model that you want to kind of carry out through like the rest of your life? Yeah, no, of course. So mortgages and real estate, they're great when it's good, right? So you can make a lot of money, you can make a lot of in commission, um, but there's no, it's not like insurance. There's no passive income. So when you, when I, you know, do a loan for someone and close a loan, that's great handshake, but unless they buy another house or know somebody that will, which is, you know, that's likely, but I wouldn't consider that passive income unless they do that, that you're done. Now it's on to the next. Yeah. There's no reoccurring income from that. So being in the industry um, and learning the ins and outs of financing, because I think financing of property is a major player in all of this. Uh, you know, there's not that many people that are just walking around with enough cash to build a real estate empire. Um, so financing and leveraging yourself like you're talking about is important. So, you know, just having an understanding of the ins and outs of that um, has helped me create a plan, which I'm currently in the middle of, you know, carrying out the beginning stages of that plan um, of eventually, you know, owning more and more rental properties, having the capital to do so because, you know, fortunately for me, there's a lot of money to be made in this industry. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just understanding how I can go about doing that. That's what mortgages has done is given me capital and given me knowledge to be able to go out and create a more passive stream of income in the future. Yeah. So, because you can't, I mean, you can't be on the daily grind like this, you know, the rest, rest of, of your life. Yeah. Correct. You know, Correct. nor should, nor should you be. Where do you see yourself stemming off like financially? after you create a solid foundation with your mortgage um, company, yeah. your mortgage businesses. Yeah. Um, how, do you see yourself investing into more real estate? Do you see yourself yeah. going more into stocks, mutual funds? Like how do you see managing your finances? So I'm all about with my finances, putting my money into an area that I know. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would never, I would never um, lie to you and tell you that I'm an expert about stocks. Right. So I'm not going to put my money there. Correct. Right. So, and I think that's a problem. Uh, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but no, go, go. I think that's a major problem in our, in our society today because money is coming easy. And I think that it's causing a poor mindset, um, that you can put money into places that you have no idea the ins and outs of, and it spits out back out money at you because it's not always like that. I definitely agree with you, especially with the whole culture where everyone's selling an online course. Everyone, their mom is selling an online exactly. course and do this, do ETFs, do single stocks, do go into buy duplexes. There's always, everyone's preaching their own truth, which is okay. But, um, I definitely agree with you that. And then also they preach diversify, make sure you do different types exactly. of things. And there's very broad statements being put out there. And yeah, I think that's a really good point that you say, like only do what you know, but yeah. what, what do you see the difference of the line where you say, uh, um, 
because you still have to learn. You're always constantly learning. So mm-hmm. you're going to know more stuff down the line. Where do you cap off saying, I'm not going to do that because I don't know it and I want to learn more of that? If that makes sense. Well, I think, I think that we all have the capacity to learn about something. And if you do, then maybe that becomes an avenue for you to, to invest in or to, you know, a door to walk through that maybe previously you didn't think that you were going to. So I can't 100% tell you that I'll never be in the stock market. Maybe there's going to be a point in my life where I'm like, you know, full, full go ahead. Like I'm going to learn everything in the ins and outs about the stock market. But to answer your original question, I see myself investing in something that I know and that I'm a professional and that I'm an expert in right now. That's real estate. Yeah, right. So, exactly. so if, if I look into the future, that's where I think that my money is going to go. Um, and, uh, and I've already started doing that and it, you know, it's, you can't go wrong with it. I mean, almost, I don't know the statistic. I could sit here and make one up. Later, but <laughs> I don't know the statistic, but I would, I would almost guarantee you that the wealthiest people, you know, in our country and around the world all own real estate. Yeah. I mean, they all do. I mean, it's like the fundamentals to wealth practically. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think yeah. you can go wrong with becoming an expert in that area and sticking to that, you know? Yeah. So, so, and I don't know if you know, but you, you recently partnered up with Steve and now mm-hmm. you both brought a duplex, meaning that it's half and half. You guys are forming an LLC, if I'm right. Correct. And um, my question is, it's just running through my head, like why why, why both invest your time and money into it instead of single, like just kind of singling it out of, I want this property, I want this, I want this, I want yeah. this, instead of taking on both liabilities of you and Steve. Yeah, well, there's, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, risk, right? It lowers your risk because you have less investment. For example, if you go into an investment property and you put, you know, you need 20% down, if there's two people, you're only investing 10%. If it was all yourself, you're risking 20, right? So it's less risk. Um, but the main reason is because Steve and I, you know, I wouldn't advise people going into rental property or business with people that maybe they don't fully trust or fully know, or, or really, really understand how they work. Right. Steve and I, I, you know, I've known Steve for 15 plus years, so I know, you know, how he works, how he thinks, how he likes to do things. Um, and I think that's key in a, in a business partnership, but also he's an expert in an area of real estate that I'm not and vice versa. I'm an expert in an area of real estate that he's not. So putting our two expertise together creates a team where we can really maximize, you know, the return that we get out of these investment properties. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, it does. So since, um, I love I, I love to talk about this on the podcast. Who is your like influence? Like who do you, like who do you look up to? Like who is your mentor? And like how do they help? And like why? So I have a couple. I have a couple of mentors. Um, Steve would be one of them. Uh, like I said, I known I've known him for fifteen plus years. He is actually eight or nine years older than me. I forget exactly which which one. But as we get older, that's not as significant. But when I was ten and he was eighteen, that was pretty significant. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so he would definitely be one of them. Um, I've always looked up to him and, and, uh, you know, how he's been able to develop his business and his family structure that that's awesome. Um, definitely my, my dad, uh, growing up, my dad was very present. He was like the, you know, how they normally have class moms. He was a class dad going (laughs) on field trips and things of that nature and, and taught me a lot about what I know, um, 
about you know finances and and about uh, you know my spirituality and and my my beliefs. He uh, he is definitely somebody that I really look up to and and really admire for the person he was, the father, the husband, the brother, um, everything that came along with him. So. So did you ever? So did you grow up with like a kind of like a wealthy background? Were you ever kind of just like lifted up and you know polished in a way? No, I mean my parents did well. They always were business owners. Um, but they owned an interior landscaping business. But uh, you know when '08 happened, every business that they were in, I mean I wouldn't say every one of them, but a lot of them, you know they didn't get, they didn't do interior landscaping anymore. Everybody got fake plants and fake landscaping, and so their business you know, it suffered through that. So th those are the, like the critical years of my life. I mean, in 08, you're talking about eighth grade, you know, through high school. Um, and, uh, but, you know, my parents, they always found ways, you know, um, but I wouldn't say by any means I grew up wealthy, but, you know, to the world standards, I was very wealthy. Yeah. Know, to to all, all around the globe, I was very wealthy. I always had food on the table. I'd, I, as a kid, never worried about it, if that's what you're... You know, yeah yeah if that's what you're getting you, at, but, um, you mentioned something about spirituality how do you yeah. balance your spirituality with your business and what is you can talk about that that's later. actually a super super good question um it's difficult because i am a christian um i have of that belief i have been since um i was little and i've tried to you know incorporate that in all the areas of my life but sometimes in business it, it can be it can be difficult i mean the business world is a very secular industry for the most part yeah. You know, so Correct. it's, you know, it can be, sometimes it can be all about manipulation. It can, it can be about smoke screens and, and, you know, you have to be selfish in certain areas. And, and, uh, so, you know, early on in my business, obviously I don't have years and years and years under my belt. So I'm sure there'll be obstacles and hurdles, um, where I, I have to balance it even more, but early on in my business, I've just tried to stay true to who I am and my beliefs. And listen, if, if that means I lose a buck, yeah. And that's what it means. I really wanted to ask that because I saw the crosses on your tattoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool, by the way. No, I appreciate and, it. Uh, yeah, I'm a Christian as well, and I'm in, going into business and everything like that. So I agree with you on that, where sometimes the Bible will say one thing, but the business ethics and the practice that you may have Correct. will say another thing. And you might have to duck under and maybe lose out and do it just so you don't step on someone's face. But you feel better at the end of the day, I, I think. It's worth it 100% of the Because you're in this for the long term, and if you don't want to feel like a crappy person going on through the Correct. Through your entire career. You Correct. Know? That's a very good That's a very good question. So I'm just going to go back and piggyback to what you said. You said that you're new to the industry, mm -hmm. but I know you're new, but what's one thing that you really wish that you knew before you started this whole entire or ordeal? Um, what's one thing I wish I knew? I, I You know, it's... There's a lot of or, or even wish you did or even wish you didn't do. Yeah, like just there's I mean, I, I could tell you I wish I would have gotten in this industry sooner. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, I wish I didn't take as long to do it. I think one of the things that I wish that I knew was just um, you know, how how you can how to better serve people um in a way to where, you know, you you don't have to come across as sales salesy. I mean, when you first get into business, you feel like you just have to sell everyone. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And I 100%. think along the way that, uh, you know, in the beginning that can ruin certain relationships that I look back on and I'm like, man, I wish I would have handled that differently because, you know, it's not, to be honest with you, 
a lot of these people are pitching, you know, this is how you sell, this is how you sell. It's really, really, I mean, people love to feel like you're just being yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and that you're not trying to sell, that you really believe that what you're doing for them is good for them. Yeah. Right? Authenticity is key. And so to, to answer your question, I know I kind of just like went around in a loop, but to answer your question, I think that I, I, I wish that I would have been told that, or I wish I would have known that before hopping into this, because I do think that I compromised some relationships early on. Does that make sense by trying to be yeah, too yeah. salesy, too, you know, too pushy? Yeah. When I look into some of the best salespeople, they take their clients on a golf course rather than to another business office. Correct. They, correct. they almost like establish a friendship. And it is a weird thing where you're not going to be best friends with them, but you are genuine people around each other and you can talk Correct. about your family and not just whatever the deal is happening. And, um, some of the realtors that I've talked to, they, I asked, I, cause when I first started, I'm a real estate photographer, by the way. Oh, nice. And when I got into, uh, um, working with realtors, I would ask them cause I want to learn different things and say, how did you become such a good salesperson? And some of the top agents would say, I'm not a salesperson. Yeah. I'm more in the customer service field where you help them, you help them find their goals. And, uh, that really would transform the word sales for me because yeah. at the end of the day, like there is, techniques that you can use and everything like that but when you're a really genuine human it's really cool to correct yeah that's uh that's key yeah and um also i'm just going to talk about <clears throat> schooling and um i do this every podcast and i just want to know your thoughts on the whole school system and how if if things should be changed if should if there should be a like a financial course if there should be this if there should be that so what's your yeah so whole philosophy on it so this is this might be a long-winded answer because I actually feel passionate about this area. Okay, okay? I as was, well as us. Yeah, I was a very like system kid. So like if you asked me in high school, I was gonna I, I was gonna tell you college is mandatory for everyone, and you need to get your four-year degree, then you need to get your master's, and then I was gonna get my doctorate, right? And I was just very system, and then I was gonna leave school and be able to make all this money, right? And that was the way to Simple. for success in the country, right? I I couldn't be more opposite now because I look back on it and I got a full ride to college. Okay. I could have done whatever I, whatever degree I wanted, I could have done it for free. Academic or? Academic. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, um, and I could have done it any, anything that I wanted for free. Um, but I like soon realized that unless you were a doctor, an accountant, computer science, or maybe I'm missing a few more, you're, you're boxing yourself. Because in order to be an accountant, you have to have an accountant degree, right? Correct. In order to be a doctor, you need to go to medical school. For people that, and I hope I'm not offending anyone, but for people Say that it. are going for like, and, I, and, and I'm talking to myself here, I was one of those people. Yeah. yeah. For people that are going for like business, why? You get what I mean? Like, why are you doing that? Because take it from somebody who was a system person who, if I was doing what I wanted to do, maybe I'd be making 40, 50, $60,000 a year. Right now I'm making 10 times that. And I didn't need a college degree for what I'm doing. Yeah. Nor did it help me at all. I wish I could sit here and tell you college really taught me how to manage my time. No, it didn't. Yeah. No, it didn't. I had so I had so much free time and I goofed off during my free time. So like it didn't teach me that, right? Yeah. I was taught that by getting into the workforce. Right? So I'm not I'm not trying to discredit college. I think it's good for 
a lot of people, some people, a lot of people. Um, but it's, it's funny you ask me that because I'm, I'm not, I'm the opposite of a system person at this point in my career and in my life. And I look back on it and I'm like, I know we've spoken a couple of times, Sean. I'm like, man, you're doing, you're doing it right. Yeah. You know, because I think that, uh, you're going to really start reaping the benefits just because I mean, I mean, it started, it all started off young when I was like, I was 15 or 16. And then I'm talking to my stepdad. He's, he, he, he was a lawyer who went to like the university of Miami who, who, who went there for eight years. And mm -hmm. he's still to this day paying off his college tuition. And he's not even doing yeah. law. He's not even doing law anymore. He's teaching. So yeah. now he needs to go on a separate degree of teaching degree. Yeah. And it's like, like, like why, like why handicap yourself like that? Well, there's some crazy statistic that like, I think it's like 75 or 80% of people end up doing something different than they got their college degree anyways. Everyone at the brokerage, everyone, everyone at Blue Realty, majority of them went to college. None of them used a single lick of, yeah, uh, I know. Of, of college. Exactly. So I think that our society just pushes out on, on us, you know, as kids, because you know, our society has some ulterior motives sometimes. I mean, school is, think about how much like student debt there is. Yeah. You know, think about how much that funds different programs and, and things of that nature. And it's like, it's kind of like, if you think about it, it's kind of like scammy, really you know, scammy. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like, but that's the thing. So I remember, so my initial goal going to um, ninth grade when I was in high school, and then I wanted to be going to MIT to be an engineer. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And um, when I didn't know how much work that actually took to be an engineer and like what it really took for that. But on the same sense, I thought I was going to high school to get great teachers and really teach me how to live a good life and yeah. do certain things. And the first day of high school, I was like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. This is what everything's yeah. bust. Everyone's busting their face off just to get the perfect grades. Like you guys are wasting your entire four years on that. And sure, I could have worked a little bit harder in school. I'm not going to say because I did goof off a little bit. But I found the best mentors. I got to do crazy job opportunities because maybe I didn't focus so much on my grades, but I focused on life and centers. Like, what am I really okay. gonna do after college? Because I know if I'm in photography and I'm doing videography and things like that, college isn't gonna serve Correct. me. I can go to film school, but I don't really wanna go to Hollywood. I wanna go into the more commercial space. Yeah. So nothing could click, but everyone's like, no, you still need to go to college, but they couldn't tell me why. And I was like, please explain your reason. They're like, cause it's necessary. It's like, explain your reason. They would never get a little more below the surface. Um. Yeah, it, it's really kind of scammy how they push it on you because when when it's it's a scam when they can't tell you why. Yeah, that's how I always say things. I have an interesting perspective. I don't know if you ever heard this before. I think I heard it from somewhere. I don't know where though. Think about this for a second. What makes an A student an A student? Is it because they're creative and they think outside of the box? No, it's because they're good at following rules. Correct. That's what yeah. makes A students A students. Yeah. Right? I was an A student. And it was because in high school, I was good at following rules. I knew how to get good grades. C students a lot of the times, and that's why I, I read a book one time. Um, it's called A Students Work for C Students. Because C students, typically, they're the ones that aren't, you know, they're, they're thinking about something else. They're not paying attention sometimes. You know, they're not, they're not fitting the box, the checklist box when you turn in a, a project that they, they had to meet. But a lot of the times those types of students and take it from a teacher, I was a teacher. A lot of the times those types of students, they grow up to be, you know, the, the business owners, right. And, and the people that are, are 
at the top of wealth in this country because they don't they think outside of the box they think differently they're not thinking like structured and system and and i'm gonna go be an employee i'm they're thinking i'm gonna go be an employer right and so yeah. just a different that that's like a perspective exactly. that, uh, that i have and then yeah, definitely agree with i would that. say majority of them are like following the rat race right now which yeah. you, you kind of escaped so i'm yeah. making grats on you yeah. and um i feel like what you do oh he, he has to fix the camera it's like kind of shut off every like 30 minutes it's all good but um what i see on your instagram is like abc always be closing like you are closing yeah. every day do you want to just like talk about like how many deals you are closing yeah. or like just maybe just sure. a- any any insight in that sure so I um I have been blessed in my business so far this year in the first five months I did thirty one million in loans, um, and that's not including any team production that's just myself, um, and I was actually just ranked in the state and in the country I was ranked top ten um, in the state of Florida and top one fifty in the country. Um, for, awesome! For, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, for loans closed with um with the number one wholesale lender in the country. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, my, my business has been blessed. Um, you know, I'm hiring more people almost daily. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I have a cl- couple closings today and four more tomorrow. So Got it. Now, yeah. since we're talking to like a mortgage, like, like the Yoda of mortgages out here, can you just explain mortgages to people who have zero understanding? Because like most people who like watch this or even listen to it, like yeah. when – when they hear mortgages, it goes out one year, out the other. Yeah. So sure. So like I said, uh, you know, there's very few people walking around with the amount of capital and money to be able to just purchase a home cash, right? Nor do I think in this in this environment is it smart to do that because you could probably take that money and make more in investments than you could saving two percent in interest, right? But so just mortgages, you know, um, synopsis, uh, they're just the banks are lending you money, are letting you finance part of your home. You're still the owner, but they're lending you money to be able to purchase your home. Now, you do have to have some vested interest, which is your down payment. The banks are going to require you to have some sort of vested interest, which prior to 08, they didn't make you do, by the way. Really? There's, there was a lot of mortgage programs where you could do 100% financing. Oh, my god! So you didn't have to put anything down. You didn't have any equity in your home. So could you imagine, let's say this, the market's crazy right now, right? So let's say you buy an $800,000 home. Okay. And you do 100% financing. So you don't have any equity. You just bought it for 800,000. Something happens to the market, which over history, it happens, it dips. And now your house is worth 700, but you still owe 800. Yeah. You have no equity. So now what happens? You, you, you owe a hundred thousand dollars that you don't have in your house. And if you can't afford to make your mortgage payments and you can't sell it for 800,000, you owe the bank a hundred and you have no equity. Wow. So that's what happened to a lot of people. Um, you know, and, and so just to answer your uh, initial question, it's just as simple as the bank lending you money to help um, yeah. purchase your home. Now I like in 08, if I'm wrong or not, they had like AA, like, like it was triple a, it was AA and those BB like for like bonds, correct? Or like, Mortgage bonds. Yes, there, there's still oh. mortgage bonds and back security. Okay, so, yeah. so, 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 has anything changed since then? Because again, like when I was in 08, I was you know like four or something. Yeah, well, you know, I was uh, I was 14. 
Okay, but like so, again, so, but like yeah, I know you about have more 08, knowledge than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I know about O eight. I mean, a lot. Of, e even when you take the mortgage test now, a lot of the course is referring and referencing to O eight. Um, yeah, which is is sad. You know that they have to develop, you know, rules and guidelines and and courses just dedicated to that. Um, a lot of what goes on now in the mortgage industry wasn't around back in 08. And again, I wasn't doing this back in 08, but I know yeah. from, you know, colleagues and, and doing research about what was going on, rules and regulations and guidelines, they're all different now. I mean, when people purchase a home now, you can be confident that they're qualified to purchase that home, that they can afford to purchase that home. Back then, People were getting houses that weren't qualified, that couldn't afford it, um, and that's what caused caused the issues. Um, so yeah, the, to answer your question, the mortgage industry was just flipped upside down. Everything's yeah. different. I mean, I could I could talk to you for like an hour about what's different, you know. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know any of that though. As yeah. far as like the eight hundred thousand going to seven hundred thousand. Yeah, that's what happened. People were upside down wow. in their houses. And I would say a great movie to watch that that explains it perfectly is The Big Short, which you probably yes. seen it. Yes, I have. Great, amazing great amazing yeah it, it like it tells it. the tale so well yeah so you know like just to just to piggyback off of of you referencing that you know if you want to buy an eight hundred thousand dollar house right now let's just say you put 20 percent down well you have vested equity you have equity in that property so if value drops you still probably have a little bit of equity in that property where if you needed to sell you're not going to owe the bank hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah you know and that's the that's that's key it's key, it's key, it's key. Back in 08, somebody like you could go say, I need a $900,000 loan, and they may have figured out a way to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just not, that's just not, I can't even believe, I can't even fathom how that was allowed to to be going on. Yeah. It's, it's insane to me. And also what I can't fathom is this market right now. I mean, like everything yeah. is at an upcharge. Everything is at an upward. It's either cash or not cash. Mm -hmm. If you're not putting more than like 15 to 20% down, what are you doing? So have you been flourishing in this market with mortgages or do you do better when it's kind of more conservative? Well, I wish that I could give you more perspective on that. When I first got in to the business, um, it was right before COVID. So it went from... Rates were super low. Everybody was refinancing right before COVID, right? And it went from, wow, that you couldn't have gotten in at a better time to when COVID hit and everything shut down. Everybody's like, wow, you couldn't have gotten in at any worse of a time, you know, and nothing was happening. But then the people that were really hustling and really out there trying to get business during COVID were the people that were flourishing afterwards. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I don't know if, you know, I guess there's probably a part of my business that's a product of the market that we're in um, because I am doing well. But uh, but I'd like to think that the practices that I've implemented into my business would be successful in any market, right? So market is pretty crazy right now, but it depends on which way you look at it, man. I mean, I have a lot of pre-approved buyers out there right now that can't find a home. So I'm not making money off of them. Yeah. And they can't find a home because the market's so crazy. If the market was you know, more conservative, like you said, or if it was like a more regular of a market, maybe they could have found a home and I would have made money off of, off of that transaction. So it, it's like a give and take. You so know? if you don't mind, can you break down some of the practices that you think can last 
throughout any market? Yeah, sure. You know, like I said, just developing really good relationships with realtors. You know, that's that's uh, that's key. Um, you know, in any market, there's always going to be people buying and selling homes. And if you're connected with the right people um, and realtors are what drives my business, man. You know, I couldn't thank them enough. Um, you know, I'm I, I really look at it as like I'm forever indebted to them. Right. Because I want to serve them the best way possible. Of course, I provide a service that I believe in, but they're really, you know, on the front line, you know, putting in a lot of legwork in the beginning. And, you know, I'm very appreciative of their support. So I think that the relationships that I've been able to build and I continue to build is, is sustainable in any market. Plus, no matter what market we're in, Max Fish is Max Fish. You get what I'm saying? So the way that I treat people, the way that I am, the way that I work doesn't change. Yeah. You know, I know that sounds like a really simple answer. No, but but it but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. You know. Um. So that that's. Uh, and I also feel like that that, that dates back to like your spiritual like your spirituality spirituality spirituality. Yeah. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Were you always like a connection builder in high school? Because right now, I mean, you have, you have real estate agents like advertising, free advertising. Like, I, like yeah. I have like three cards, like in my <laughs> wallet, just just to hand it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, how like how do you brand yourself? Um, as far as branding myself to like, how do I market myself to realtors? Not even to not even to realtors, but to like other people. Like, um, because the fact that like you have a you have a ton of realtors. Yeah. I think there's so, two questions in that. Uh, do you want to start with how he was in high school and then were you always a connection person and the spirituality piggyback off of that? I, I feel like looking back on it, I've always been a connection person, but the key to the key to it, I think the main point of that is I didn't know I was a connection person and that goes back to the sales part, right? Because I didn't, I didn't make connections because I thought that I could get something out of it. Like I'm going to need to know this person, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe they'll help me later on in life. I, I legitimately and genuinely have just always been like, I'll just walk into somewhere and just, you're, you're like that. You're like that more than I am, but I'll just walk into somewhere and just like talk to everyone. Yeah. And I think it also helped that I've lived in Coral Springs my entire life. Oh, really? Yeah. I so, know that. Yeah. Cool. So I've never moved out of Coral Springs. So the things I do, I'm very like a predictable person. I just do the same things over and over again. Yeah. The things I do and the places I go, I I know everyone because I've been here my whole life. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Well, then, so, yeah. so it's really been like just like, you know, part partially because I am just like a social person naturally and I just like to talk to a lot of people, but also partially because I've been in this area for so long that I haven't really had to, you know, I haven't really had to like be active in going out and building relationships. I, it just happened over time. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Now, since you work with Nationwide, have you ever thought about like starting your own mortgage business? And I think I brought this up, but I I didn't think we we went into like depth with the conversation. So like, could you see yourself as like Max Fisher Mortgage Company? Period. Well, I couldn't see myself as Max Fisher because my last name's Fish. Fish. But I, I guess <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, everybody does that, by the way. Okay. Um. You know, it's always in the back of your mind to want to start, you know, your own brokerage and your own thing. Nationwide mortgage is not is not nationwide. It's only it's just a small brokerage out of Coral Springs. Um, we do have a branch up in Jacksonville, but it's a small brokerage up in Coral Springs. And there's 
there's room to develop within that, right? So I have my team, okay? And, uh, and so I can be a leader of my team. But the guys I work with, um, you know, they did right by me in the beginning, right? And they are totally on board with me growing my business and me building my business and developing the nationwide brand and developing my own brand, right? They're not handicapping me in any, in any way. Um, and, you know, so hopefully, you know, at some point in my career, the dynamic can turn more into a partnership, right? Um, but I, I don't at this moment in time have any desire to, to branch out and quote unquote, do my own thing, which in real estate or being a mortgage broker, you, you're always doing your own thing. Yeah. You're just, you just have your license placed yeah. somewhere, but I don't have, I don't have a desire to go out and branch off and do my own thing and open my own brokerage because there is something to be said, like we talked about, there is something to be said in loyalty. Um, and if you're not handicapping yourself and they're not handicapping you, why, yeah. why look at it selfishly? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because why it literally, the only difference would be that I have my own name that I made up and I created. It's all I, 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 and you see that story so many times in the business world. Where exactly. Like, I'm on my own now. Like I'm ready. And then it literally does nothing for you financially. It's just, yeah. it's all about clout. And There's I, more to stress. be honest with you, I don't really care about that. Got you. And then you know? when I thought about nationwide, I thought about like the dynasty, like the insurance company. Yeah. I thought about like, there's a nationwide for like a mortgages. Like Peyton Manning's commercials. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Well, okay. But now like nationwide, it's like kind of like blue realty where there's only like two offices. Correct. And like, so it's like with blue realty, once you get in the business for so long, they're allowing you like you bell to expand to your own office. Exactly. Like like being so like being a part of the team, but also, you know, kind of doing your own thing with yeah. your own team. So would you perhaps maybe consider that? Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I mean, you know, I have my own team. I hire my own people. Um, but uh, as far as like a physical office, yeah. I mean, I have offices. All, I mean, I have like three or four different offices. Yeah. Um, but it's not it's not really a, a need right now because the corporate office is right down the street. If I lived in Jacksonville or I lived in Tampa and you know I wanted to be a part of nationwide, I would create an office there. Oh right. um, so my production at this point has definitely warranted opening a new office. It's just not practical. Why would I open an office two miles away from the other one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know? Yeah. so I'm uh I'm really not I'm, I, I don't get caught up in the, like I said, in the clout of all that extra stuff. I just want to do a good job and build my business and and uh, eventually get to a, a point where my family is financially independent, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. And like, I definitely want to like, like I tell, I tell my, I tell my mom's all the time because she, because she like hates that I'm not the A student in school, yeah. that I'm not like the top of my class, that I told her straight up, I'm like, I don't want to go to college because it's like. I would tell her what I'm doing right now, but it, but the fact is like like she like she believes in her head. If you don't go to college, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. So I mean, but again, like that's like the mindset of like which is what we're taught. Yeah, it's not correct. Their fault. It's yeah. just everybody pushes yeah, that. Definitely. Correct. But like I was saying, like I, I mean, again, me personally, like I can't tell you how blessed I am to be working with Steve. Yeah. And he's, he's if, if you guys don't know, Steve's one of the owners of Blue Realty. Um, and it's it's just crazy. It's it, it's. It's it's just crazy, and um, I mean, at least with that being said, like, 
since I love the company so much, like you love Nationwide, like mm-hmm. I really do plan on being a part of the team and then like expanding my own offices. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just an option. Yeah. You Listen, you got a whole career ahead of you. I know. So. Speaking look. of that, what would you say for people? Because you're 26, right? I am. First question, do you feel like you're old or do you still feel like you're super young? I've always been an old soul. So, like I told you, Steve was one of them. I know we brought up Steve a lot, but he's one of them. That was eight, nine years older than me. Yeah. Um, you know, what 15-year-old do you know that's hanging out with 24-year-olds? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, none. Um, I was just always odd like that. I don't like hanging out with people my own age. I was the same way. Yeah. You know, I so I, I just don't like it. So I feel like I've always been sort of like an old soul. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really pushed me to be better, you know, at any stage of my life. You know, if you're 20, hanging out with a 30-year-old, well, 30-year-old has seen stuff, been through stuff that you haven't. And that and that's developed them into who they are. Yeah. So if you surround yourself with those people, naturally you're just going to, I believe, you're just going to be years ahead um, of people your age. Exactly. That's how I view it. Exactly. Do you feel like you uh, wasted any time before you got into mortgages or do you feel like everything was meant to be to lead you to where you were? You know, I... Or you like think I it said, just is. yeah. Well, like I said, I, I, I think, I think. I mean, I wish I would have gotten into this earlier. But I do think, if I really dissect it and look back on it, I do think that that the stops I had helped develop me into somebody who was going to be good at this. Um, one thing that I forgot to tell you that I did was I was a personal trainer as well, um, and I mentioned that because being a personal trainer is kind of the same idea. Um, as being, you know, a realtor or mortgage, if you, what you're doing, what makes you a good personal trainer is when you feel like that you could really help your client, that what you're doing and your knowledge can really help them. Okay. Health wise. Well, now what I feel like I'm doing is my knowledge and what I can do and what I'm doing personally in my own life can help my client financially. So it's the same idea, just a different Avenue, if that makes sense. So things like that, I look back on, I'm like, I really am glad that I did that because now I can kind of use some of those skills to, you know, kind of gear into a different avenue or a different path. Got it. And um, so you taught what grade at school? I taught high school, like beginning high school math, algebra one and geometry. Yeah. And I taught my first two years of teaching. I was a K3 PE teacher. And then I did, um, I, I've coached elementary sports all the way through varsity football. I was a head coach and a defensive coordinator. Gotcha. And so do you still keep in touch with any of your students, like past students? Yeah, some of them. Okay. Um, like on, on social media and, and things like that. It's weird now because I feel like I'm getting old. My first year of teaching, <laughs> my first year of teaching, they were eighth grade and now they're seniors in high school. Yeah, oh my gosh. You know, so it feels weird. Yeah, for sure. You know, it was only four years ago. But it just feels strange. Yeah. Because uh, I look at them, I'm like, oh, you like annoying little middle schooler, and now you're going to college. You know? Yeah. It's just, uh, it, it, it's funny. It's like if I taught you, it, you're, you're going to be a senior. So yeah. it's like if I taught you in eighth grade. Yeah. Seventh grade. Yeah. Um, just strange, strange dynamic. So I do keep up with some of them. Got it. And have any of the high schoolers ever asked you for like a mortgage? No, not yet, but maybe, okay. you know, we're let speaking of networking, uh maybe in the future they'll they'll uh they'll, they'll definitely think of me, but maybe they'll always look at me as their teacher, so. Yeah. I don't know. I was um actually speaking about like the whole networking idea. I, I told Steve 
since next year I'm, I'm going to be a senior to wrap my car in blue. And here's the reason why I told him because of the fact that most, most, most moms drop their kids off and dads, they're going to be empty nesters next year, meaning that their kids going to be at the house in college. So like, yeah. it's just kind of like an opportunity of me swooping in and being like, Hey, licensed real estate agent yeah. working for the best broker. That's, that's actually a really funny that like at a high school, you would have like your blue realty card. And like when I was in high school, <laughs> when I was in high school, nobody was like in business. Like the biggest business that people did in high school would bring like a bunch of shoe boxes to yeah. school and like sell them to kids, you know? But like, nobody was like, Hey, I'm a realtor. I'll buy you a house or I'll not yeah. buy you a house, but I'll get you a house. Technology yeah. has really fast forwarded this generation. Yeah, I know. Right? Because I know. like who has access to people like that? You know, when you, <laughs> know. you can like go on social media, DM the best realtor and say, Hey, I'd like to work with you for like 20 minutes. I know. You couldn't know. do that a couple of years ago. No. I mean, I just kind of like knocked on like 20 other brokerages until Steve answered. And like he said, like, sit down and start working. I said, okay. Good. So, but yeah, I mean, that'd be kind of funny if I'm, uh, if I'm selling real estate while I'm still, I mean, I am doing that right now. That's a but boss move. Yeah, it is. It, that, that's a flex. It's kind of boss. But, um, I'd love that. That'd be funny. So you played football your entire high school career? No. Uh, oh, I, wait, I forgot. We talked about this. You only paid for like a year. I grew up in sports. I yeah. played travel basketball. Um, you know, I played football all the way up. In high school, I early on in high school, I decided I was going to just pursue basketball. So I started playing basketball, um, travel basketball and things of that nature. Um, but then I started to work out a little bit. I liked working out and I gained 100 pounds from ninth to 10th grade. 100 pounds that's not an exaggeration okay um i went into ninth grade about 115 pounds okay oh my god and then i was plus 200 in 10th grade hold up break that down so yeah how, how does that how does one make that happen that like is, realistically well, like i grew well i grew 10 inches okay in one well, year well that helps yeah <laughs> um, i grew 10 inches and i just started working out um and I know you're looking at me like you don't believe me, but we have a lot of mutual friends. You can actually ask them. Okay. What was your diet? Um, I just started eating a ton. And I, I really, like, I, I fell in love kind of like with exercise. It like helped me. It was it was not just physical. It was like mental for me. It made me feel better. Yeah. Right? So when I gained all that weight and I, you know, got bigger, <laughs> um, I lost like certain things in basketball. Like I couldn't. You know what I mean? Like the same thing. Could you like I a layup doing. anymore? Like no, like, I mean like, I could still do on? that, and I could still what's shoot, going? but like <laughs> dribbling and your range of motion just got different. Completely, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and it kind of threw it off. So, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go play football um, because I I played both growing up, and I, I wanted to focus on one thing in high school. So first it was basketball, then it was football. I went to play football. I dislocated my shoulder. Um, I've had every injury in the book. I mean torn ligaments in my knees and ankles and shoulders i was just so injury prone yeah all the time so then it, like when i did that i was just kind of like why am i doing this you know like i'm not trying to like i mean it's fun don't get me wrong you know i love sports but i'm like I'm not trying to go to like the nfl my grades are really good i can get in on a full ride with academically like what's the you know there's no really purpose for me so after school i would work out i would go to work I worked as a delivery driver at Pepperoni Grill in Coral Springs. Damn. Um, and, you know, so I could save some money. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that was it. Kind of exercising became my sport, you know, in, in high school and into college. And also, see, uh, when you said about saving money, what was the first asset that, asset that you ever bought? 
Was it a stock? Was it a car? Was it uh, investment property? It was it was my car. Okay. Yeah. Um, senior year of high school, that was the first major purchase. Um, and uh, and then I didn't buy like another major asset, like no stocks, nothing, until I purchased my current home uh, two years ago. Got it. Yeah. And is that purchase with your wife? Yeah, I mean, I purchased it before we got married, a little bit before we got married. Um, but uh, but yeah, we, we sort of, I mean, we picked it out together and we sort of uh, worked it out financially together, starting but, off. So so since I don't really know how this works too much, so if you get a house and then you get married, do you guys co-op, like like share the house, like 50-50 now? Or, or will it always be your asset, your house? No, no. When we get married, everything everything is, is shared. Um, but we don't look at it that way. I mean, all of our stuff is a hundred percent each of ours. Right. So that's, I mean, I think that's, no, I get that. But I was asking for more like the legal terms. Oh, legally. Um, well, I'm the only one on the mortgage. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. if you're so, paying off the mortgage every month then technically legally speaking, like that will always be your asset regardless yeah. of the fact. So, well, it's a good, it's a good question because there are two parts of, of purchasing and owning a house. I'm on the mortgage, so I'm the only one liable. It's not on her credit report. I'm liable for the property, but we're both meaning like like liable as in like you have to pay you you like you have to pay it every month. Like it doesn't matter where the payment's coming from; it can come from her account. But let's say let's say I stop making the payments, right? And nobody's making payments on my on my house. It's not going to affect her at all. It's only going to affect me. Got it? Because I'm the only one liable for that for that property. But we're both on title, so we're both part owners. But I'm only I'm the only one liable. So I don't know if you guys know that you no. can you can have whoever you want on title. I can buy a house and get a mortgage under my name and put you on title. So now we're both owners in the property, but I'm the only one liable. So other than a relationship, what benefit does that do to the other person? Uh, well, to the no, other no, person? To you? To you? To me? Yeah. Um, it doesn't. I, I mean, it doesn't really have oh. any like fiscal advantage. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like we're married and we both, you know, are on title and in ownership of the house. And, um, she has the right to obtain ownership if anything were to happen to me and, and sell and things of that nature. Got it. And since yeah. you probably know this better than I do, is there, is there any advantages to getting married? Like, is there better tax benefits? Is there, is it easier to, for one of you guys to buy something and the other cosigns? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's advantages to, I mean, you could always have a co-signer, even if you're not married, you can both be on the, on the loan. And, um, but obviously there's, there's advantages, you know, I guess in theory, um, that, you know, if you're not married, there's nothing really binding, binding you to each other. So like you, you don't, if you wanted to walk away, you could walk away and yeah, you might take a hit on your credit report, but that's it. There's okay. no, there's no, you're not, you're not. You don't have any like um, privilege or anything like that to their assets or to any anything like that. Um, so I guess there's an advantage of when you're married. There's more um, there's more responsibility on both parties, um, and that can create you know more of a commitment. Does that make sense? Like to the property and to to your assets and to yeah you know, all of your liabilities. But there's no combined. tax benefits. You know that's it. That's an interesting question. I don't want to, I wouldn't want to 
lead you astray with my answer. I, I can tell you what I think. I do think that there are some tax benefits um, when you file jointly, but don't hold me to that because I'm not an accountant. Okay. So that would yeah. be more of a question for an accountant. I mean, but you got married for like two years now, so you never. Just yeah, thought... but you don't. I mean, listen. At the end of the day, I when we first got married, I was a teacher. She's a teacher. We just filed our taxes on freaking uh, Credit Karma <laughs> and plugged in information that was on our W twos, and it spit a, out a, a tax return to us. Yeah, you know I what I mean. It. Like I didn't. To, I'm just being honest with you. I didn't get like into like oh now that I'm married. How can I how can I save money uh, on my on my wife? Yeah. You know, I wasn't making enough money to care about saving money. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like because like what it's always a percentage of what you're making. So what was I gonna save? Like fifty dollars? You yeah. know, like I you know, I didn't I don't know. Wait, so when you married your wife, were you at the position you were today? No. No. Um I was uh like I said, I was a teacher. Um and I had no aspirations to really be anything else other than a te- work in a school and to be an athletic director. Wow. Um, that, that's and, crazy. Yeah. That's wild. And sh- she married me anyways. Wow. <laughs> so, Wait, so how did she take it when you wanted to transition to something else? My wife is very supportive. Um, and so she kind of just said, well, if you're going to do it, do it. Like, don't like half do it. Don't like, don't like stay a teacher and do this like half of the time. She's like, just do it then, you know? So then when was the point of quitting? Of teaching? Of yes, correct. Well, I quit. I told teaching is a school calendar year. So it's hard to, you can't just like in January be like, I'm leaving because you have a bunch of kids. You know what I mean? So, so like I told them in January of last year. 2020 okay. i told them that i wasn't coming back wait this is recent Whoa. yeah it was last year Whoa. beginning of last year and i know you only had like four months for you yeah yeah wow so it was the beginning of last year so everything i built i've done in the last year and a half oh my gosh um mm-hmm. so i told them i wasn't coming back anymore and then it was like a blessing in disguise because covid hit so now every teacher is working like half a day from home God's you're like doing like your yeah like you're waking up in the morning i did a couple of classes but then at 11.30, I had time for the rest of the day to devote towards what I was now going to be doing. Correct. Yeah. You know, so I was able to, like, kind of phase out of teaching easily, wake up, just do a couple of classes in the morning, and then jump into mortgages. And for the first couple of days, I was calling, like, 200 realtors a day. <laughs> yeah, like, a, some some crazy number. And I, they, they told me to screw off most of the time, but there was a couple of them that... Uh, that I still I work with to this day just because I called them. Yeah. And then also, since you started so young, like, where do you, like, truly see yourself in five years? Um, well, first off, I see myself personally starting a family. I mean, I, I, I'm already married. Obviously, she's part of my family. But expanding our family. Um, but uh, financially... You know, I'm hoping that in five years, um, I am able to live off of passive income, like we're talking about. That's my goal. My goal is to not have to wake up every day and go make, go earn a dime. That I can make money while I'm sleeping. Have you heard of Fire? No. It's a uh, this investing community where you start when you're 20, and, like you can start anytime, but the premises you start when you're 20 and you end when you're 30 mm-hmm. and then you basically create this nest egg of almost like mutual funds and dividends and different things that you can do 
and then you can retire by your 30, but what most people do, they retire so they can spend the rest of their lives really focused on what they really want to do. They don't have to get a type two job. It's more for people that work really tough corporate jobs that they just hate yeah. their life. Yeah. But I was just wondering if you knew anything about that because that, that's a no, really I quick don't. goal of but five I'll look, years. I'll look into it. I mean, yeah, that's, that's my goal because like I said, I'm blessed to be doing the business I'm doing right now. So I'm building wealth, I'm building capital. Um, and I just really need to be picky in the next couple of years of where I put that because I think that, you know, where I, I delegate that money, I think in five years, that's a realistic goal to, to be able to start reaping the benefits of that. Correct. Um, now that's not to say, you know, you don't work at all because maybe you, you want to sustain a certain level of income to be able to, you know, support the kind of lifestyle that you want to live. So maybe you're, you're making passive income and you could live off of that in a certain way, but maybe you want to experience other things. You want to travel more. You want to do this. So, you know, I, I'm not saying in five years, I don't so want to work So more like anymore. financial freedom. Correct. I'm not saying in okay. five years, I don't want to work anymore. I, I'm saying in five years, I don't want to have to work. Yeah. Correct. Like if I, if I, if I stripped everything down in my life, yeah. could I live off of the money, the passive income that I'm making? Uh, that's fair. Yeah. That's so. I have a question like you don't have to answer this because it's kind of touchy but could you break down like how you when you have money coming in how do you break down your finances what goes where and what goes to like future goals what goes to like now expenses i'm just so curious like how you break down your finances, especially with a business that is yeah. in a set salary so have you ever have you ever heard of dave ramsey yeah yeah so his philosophy and i'm to be honest with you, i don't follow everything yeah but to, did you read his, his book yeah yeah, I've read all of his books. But to his philosophy of every dollar needs a place, I, I believe in that. Yeah, so, correct. So I try to delegate every dollar. Whether in some, some of that is to savings. You know what I mean? But as long as it has a, a category, as long as it's not just sitting there, you have to actively put it into a category. So when money comes in, you know, obviously the first thing, you know, housing housing bill, electricity, food, food's actually the first thing, then housing, electricity, and then all of the necessities. And then after that is just, you know, extra like, Hey, we have a certain amount of money. We, we only said we wanted to save this. Maybe we could throw a little bit more in the savings and take a little bit extra and enjoy ourselves. You know, that's yeah. how I look at it. Um, and that is what I was referring to when I'm saying passive income when I, I want passive income to cover the necessities. Yeah. This stuff over here that's extra, I I have no problem working for that stuff. But I don't want to have to get up every day and work for the necessities. Does Got that make it. sense? Yeah, because you're in the rat race. Yeah. And it's just, it'll drive you nuts. I mean, this business, I've only been in it a year and a half, but there's some days like you just, you don't want to be on that grind until you're 55 How do you handle old. that? The really, really rough days. Not um. Really. Well, the, the rough days for me, um, I, I had some mentors in the, in, in the industry tell me I was going to do well in this business because I care so much. And the roughest days for me in this business is when things are going wrong. I don't care at that point in a transaction or in a deal. It's not ever in my head like I just missed out on $5,000. It's always... I either messed up or something's going wrong or I can't believe this is happening for the client because they're so stressed out. It's the biggest purchase of their life, right? Mm -hmm. And I and and there's so many there's so many people's money on the line 
the realtor, the, the client, the title company, the insurance agent. And the mortgage is like the hub for all those areas because the mortgage needs to see title work, insurance work, uh, documents from the, the realtor, documents from the, the buyers, right? So I feel like some days it's not like an overwhelming feeling of I just have so much going on. It's more of like I, I feel so bad that maybe something is going wrong or something is happening that it like bugs me to the core. You know what I mean? I and that's really like affected me at certain times. Like so much so where I'm like, I literally just need to remove this or there's certain points where I can't focus on anything else until this problem solved. That's yeah. the biggest day-to-day -day issue that I have. Um, but people in other stages of their life, if I had kids, if I had, you know, a, a big family that I needed to support and, and times weren't as good as they are now, different stresses would, would arise. I just haven't had to experience those, you know? Yeah. Like if you don't have a deal coming in, where, where's your money coming from? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's why you, and you have, passively. you have kids to take care of and you know, a family to, to support. So. so I was, I was talking to Steve and he says that we were talking about this yesterday in the car. He was like, the one thing that I want is I want to buy property every single year. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you, that you're looking forward into? Yeah. Him and I share, uh, you know, super similar goals. Um, and that's why we're getting into this, yeah. this business together. And I think that's a goal that we share. That's what we talked about in a lot of our meetings up front is that, uh, is that that's what our goal is. Um, but obviously we want to, him and I, him and I work well together in the sense that I'm a little bit more conservative. He is a little bit more like get, 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 get leverage, 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 <laughs> You know, and so I think there's a balance and a calculated balance of, you know, you want to acquire assets, but you don't want to over leverage yourself. Correct. You can't, I mean, that would be, that would be very That would be risky. like, what do you explain in 08? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and listen, there are people that over leverage themselves like Grant Cardone. He does that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like and they make, and they make, like yeah, and they make a ton of money mm -hmm. and they're fine using debt to, to earn money. And that's fine. I, I agree with that. That's where me and Dave and Ramsey, yeah, I say. Veer, I agree with that. I understand that, the yeah. structure. But I also am a little bit more like calculated and like, I, like that. I don't I, I don't really like want to overdo it. Yeah, when you mentioned Dave Ramsey, I was kind of, okay, so is that where you stand? Because he's very, by only cash, Correct. no leverage. I was like, there's a little no, bit of no, balance I'm, to it. But. And, and don't get me wrong. Steve is not... He is not like just like wild, like going oh, out, sure. like not no. calculated, buying every property. I'm just saying. It's just how much you can stomach. I'm just saying that if I look at it, it's like, okay, a property every year. I mean, well, I could potentially have 60 more years of my life. That I'm sounds not, fair. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do that, but yeah, you know, that's, that's the goal initially. Okay. We share that goal for sure. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, I mean. To be honest, this was a fantastic podcast. I'm stoked. This is so cool. And um, I, I honestly thought you were awesome. great. And no, um, thank you guys. Just to just to wrap things up, would you like to plug any social medias, any phone number, any email? What's the best way to contact you and maybe get in touch? Yeah. So my Instagram is is the most active. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Max Fish M A X F I S C H underscore mortgages. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, just under my personal name, Max Fish. Um, and, uh, and my phone number is nine, five, four, seven, two, nine, six, nine, three, three. If you guys ever need anything, have any questions, um, home ownership, 
in my opinion, is one of the best investments that you can make. So correct. So if you guys need anything, that's where you can find me. It's been a pleasure. I oh, appreciate man, it, guys. Thank you so much.